Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you're listening to the Five Minute Talk Show with Phil Iazetta. We're bringing you today's best comedy and entertainment personalities. Now, your host, Phil Iazetta. Joining us on the 5-Minute Talk Show hotline is a guy I have known for, oh boy, I'm not even going to say how long it's been that long, Mr. Ted Alexandro. You can check him out at tedalexandro.com. I hope I got that right. Teacher's Lounge, Ted, before we get into anything else, I know the people have seen you all over the country, torn with Jim Gaffigan, down in New York City and all the clubs over there. Teacher's Lounge, though. I'm addicted to this thing. Now, are there going to be any new episodes? Because people can go on YouTube. They can go on your website. I love that show. Well, thanks, Phil. Yeah, you know, we we shot Teacher's Lounge a couple of years back, and we shot 10 episodes. It was kind of under under the radar. Uh, you know, I play the music teacher. My buddy Hollis James, uh, who I co-wrote the series with, plays the janitor and we just hang out in the teacher's lounge and then different comedians come through every episode. So the one that we just posted was uh, when Jim Gaffigan played the school nutritionist who, uh, who grows wine, uh, grows grapes, you know, and makes wine with the kids. (laughs) So uh, that's one of the 10 episodes. Yeah. So, you know, it it just kind of took on a life of its own. And, uh, you know, we, we've been shopping it around. We haven't found a home for it yet. So we're kind of debating, do we shoot another 10 episodes uh, for the web? Or do, you know, hopefully something will break where we find uh, a home for it, you know, like whether it's Netflix or Amazon or somewhere. But, uh, yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't stopped writing them yet. So hopefully there'll be more to follow. Ted, you know, you're so modest. That's the one thing I've always loved about you. When you mention guest spots and comics... You know, just names like Gaffigan, Dave Attell, Jim Norton, to name a few. Do me a favor. For once in your life, could you name drop? I mean, the guest stars on Teacher's Lounge are truly amazing. Sure. Yeah, Jim Norton was our uh, head of security at the school. Uh, We had Louis Black as the principal. Todd Barry as the librarian. Dave Attell is the school photographer. (laughs) Judy Gold is the gym teacher. So, yeah, we had... Like you said, we had A-listers. I mean, these are friends of mine for uh, for decades. So that was one of the cool things was, you know, when Hollis and I wrote these, we had people in mind and it just kind of lent itself to, you know, like you said, with Jim Gaffigan being the school nutritionist, you know, that was like a home run right out of the gate. And all these people, it was so much fun to shoot with them. Uh, and we kind of gave them a script, but we also gave them leeway to play with it. So that was half the fun was... Uh, just seeing what they came up with. Ted Alexandro joining us on the hotline. Ted, the casting in Teacher's Lounge, spot on. I mean, Jane Lynch as a gym teacher was good, but when you put Judy Gold as a gym teacher, I mean, Judy Gold to me, perfect. Perfect casting. Why aren't more comedians involved in the casting process and writing process in, in sitcoms these days? I, to me, it's a no-brainer. Well, I mean, I'm available. Let's put it that way. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think, you know, like when you have comedians that have been working for decades, you know, they have a voice. And obviously there's a track record from uh, Seinfeld to Roseanne to Bernie Mac, 
all the way on back to, uh, you know, Bob Newhart and, you know, on and on. Like when you have comedians who have a, a, a very kind of uh, singular voice that has been honed over a long time, I think it makes sense, you know. So that's kind of what we've been doing with this, uh, with Teacher's Lounge. And um, yeah, definitely. I, I've always been kind of a little bit puzzled by uh, why these network executives, and I'm not even just talking about myself. I've always felt like comedians are such a, uh, a rich source of people who have honed a voice for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, Teacher's Lounge is, uh, is there for the taking. Ted, I think what I'm trying to say is I feel more comedians should be involved in the writing process on sitcoms and on television because I, I just feel they're just smarter at delivering jokes. I mean, they don't have to bludgeon people with the punchline you know they innuendo they use cadence timing you know subtlety and i think that's what's missing today in sitcoms take jamie fox for example in the recent adaptation of the jeffersons that jimmy kimmel put together i think he saved that thing i mean he was george jefferson because he knew how to play a character in a in the right way i mean archie bunker woody harrelson it wasn't quite the same but Jamie Foxx being a stand-up comic, he, he nailed it. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the point you make about Jamie Foxx is a good one because, you know, when you're doing a live performance, I mean, who has better live chops than a stand-up comedian who has been in front of a live audience every night, probably multiple times every night, you know, two, sometimes three shows a night on the weekends. Uh, so yeah, you know, those conditions will not throw a comedian, even, even an actor is used to having two, three, four takes, but comedians due to the nature of like just being up there in the moment. Yeah. I think, you know, you start to get a hang for just, uh, knowing that you have one shot at it. And even if it doesn't go perfectly, you just roll with it and make some, you make something good out of it regardless. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, not to toot <laughs> comedians' horns, but like, yeah, that's the skill set is that you you kind of get used to being in the moment and coming up with something on the fly. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. If, if your campaign is to hire more comedians, Phil, I'm behind it. The whole thing, the whole production to me, it was a great idea. And I want to get your feedback because I grew up watching those two shows. And that's why I was so excited for it. And Jamie, to me, I was just thinking to myself, wow, can you imagine if they just use comics? I mean, you could have a guy like, instead of Lionel being that character, maybe Sherrod Small. I mean, you know, it would have just been, it would have had a whole nother dimension to it because those are people who've been on the front lines. And, and let's be honest, stand-up comedy, it's theater. I mean, you guys are, are yeah. there every night. It's live. It's that's real yeah. acting. What did you think of the Jeffersons and, and All in the Family, and then the way they executed it now, opposed to way they did the way they did back in the seventies and early eighties? Well, I haven't seen the reboot yet. I've seen only clips online, so I've yet I can't give like you know uh, an informed opinion of the reboot other than the clips that I saw. And, you know, I would agree with your assessment. It looked to me like Marissa Tomei was fully like inhabiting that, that role of Edith and Jamie Foxx looked great. I, I, I was also confused by Woody Harrelson as Archie. I think you kind of need a, if not a New York guy, certainly like a Northeast guy to, to play the role of Archie. Cause he's so, um, so quintessentially New York. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think, you know, that's, that's been missing for a long time uh, is that kind of, you know, the Norman Lear school of, uh, you know, like a little bit of danger to it. And especially uh, now, like where everything is so polarizing, um, it has watered down. Like I think people are more fearful of, of taking chances, you know, uh, like even like in the Teacher's Lounge episode that you referred to with Jim Gaffigan, we kind of play with race uh, in that episode in a way that's, you know, like a little edgy, but, uh, ultimately like I'm the butt of the joke, you know? So, um, yeah, so it's, I think it's, it's fun to take those chances, but you kind of have to walk the line and you have to do it in a way that's playful and, um, kind of targets the right things. Lenny Clark would have been a better Archie in my opinion. That's all I'm saying. What's that website again, Ted? TedAlexandro.com? It's time for Bob Zaney and this week's Zaney Report. It's time for the Zaney Report, uh, brought to you by BobZaney.com. In Clarksdale, Mississippi, the mayor will pay criminals $10,000 to leave town. The city council said that's going to be the easiest ten grand we will ever make. In Tennessee, actor Luke Perry was buried in his eco-friendly mushroom suit. According to his family, it wasn't his wishes, but caskets are so expensive these days. And finally, in Arizona, Republican state senators are working on a measure declaring pornography a public health crisis. They said they'll need more time to research the issue. A lot more time. And there you have it. I'm on the Twitter, at Bob Zaney and Zaney Bob on the Instagram. Bay, bay. And welcome back to the 5-Minute Talk Show. Now, Ted, the Comedy Cellar, is that your home club back in New York? Because it's just a magical place. So much so that my most recent special uh, was shot there, Senior Class of Earth. I shot it at uh, the Village Underground, which is the Comedy Cellar's uh, bigger room in New York City. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my home club for sure. That's where I perform the most. But what does the cellar mean to you? I mean, that place, it's, you know, the drop-ins, showcase comedy it's almost a lost art at this point. No other places are doing showcase comedy. Well, the Comedy Cellar, it, just the history of the room, first off, that, you know, in New York City, everybody has come through there, you know, from, from Seinfeld to Chappelle, um, you know, to Amy Schumer. like, And a lot of times, even in the same night, uh, those people can show up, you know. So I've been there nights where... Uh, I mean, I actually told a story recently uh, on my podcast about the night that I was performing at the cellar and Esty, who's the uh, booker and kind of, um, you know, she kind of runs the, the shows there on the weekends. She told me that Robin Williams, this is going back, obviously, like about uh, probably seven years. Uh, she told me Robin Williams was on his way and I might get bumped. I might have my set kind of shortened depending on when he arrived he was en route so I, I might do two minutes I might do my full 20 minutes but just kind of be on the watch so then about maybe 10 minutes into my set they gave me the light and I could see in the hallway because you can see from the stage uh, in the back there I could see Robin Williams so uh, I wrapped up my set and sure enough Robin Williams was coming up next so I got to kind of uh, I had a little quick moment with him in the hallway where it was just the two of us and I got to tell him how much he meant to me and 
how excited I was to see him. And he couldn't have been more humble or, or sweet. And he, he actually apologized to me that he was uh, cutting into my time. And I was like, please, you know, I'm it's a treat to, to watch you. So moments like that, you know, uh, are, are what make the seller what it is. You know, Ted, it's hard for me to explain, but my experiences in meeting Robin Williams when I was younger, he, he was just such a gracious guy, just overly loving. I mean, you could just tell looking into his eyes, he genuinely cared about you. I mean, he's just talk about an amazing individual. He was just an incredible person, even outside of all the acting and, and stand up stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think you I think you've uh, encapsulated it perfectly because he is such a legend. I mean, having watched him from the time I was a little kid on on Mork and Mindy, even Happy Days, uh, when the character first came out, um, and then all of the movies from Mrs. Doubtfire to Good Morning Vietnam, you know, it was like, it's almost like a member of the family or right. somebody that you grew up with. So, and then, you know, th there's always that moment of, do they live up to the image that you have and kind of the feeling that you have? And as you said, he he not only lived up to it, but loving is the right word. There's a loving energy. And I think that's how you get to, to the status that he attained is because at his core, there's this real loving energy for the audience, for humanity um, that just he kind of exuded. So even in my brief interaction with him, uh, there was a real warmth to it. That That's the kind of thing you can't really fake. Now, Ted, who was the one elder statesman, so to speak, in the comedy world that really helped you along the way, that kind of solidified in your mind that you were doing the right thing? Who was the one person who made a huge difference? I would mention a couple of people. One would be Jim Gaffigan, because hes uh, I've been touring with him now for three years, so he's kind of opened me up to this larger scale of performing where, you know, we, we play NBA arenas, you know, uh, we've played like where, where the Milwaukee Bucks play or the Utah Jazz, or, you know, so we've, we've kind of played these 10 to 15,000 seat arenas. Um, so that has definitely been a real gift to be able to experience that. I mean, I'm typically in comedy clubs, sometimes small theaters. So, so that's been like a real uh, exciting development these last few years and then the other person i guess like just looking back i would say david tell uh i remember when i was kind of early on maybe two or three years in um i was coming out of the boston comedy club and david tell had been on earlier and i did a set and he took me downstairs to the bar and we just had a drink together and he told me that he thought I was funny. He said, you know, like, I haven't seen anyone like you and you, you've got a real uh, unique style and you're really funny. So just him, who was kind of like the godfather of New York comedy, to take a moment and, um, you know, just buy me a drink and tell me he thought I was funny, that that meant the world to me, you know, because that is more than like, when you're starting out, that's more than any gig you could get or more than any payment you could get. It's just the affirmation of somebody that means so much to you, you know, that you look up to. In my opinion, when you're out there on stage, you know, you could you could almost you're so relaxed, you could almost take a nap out there on stage. And I think for every comic, that's got to be the goal. Oh, thanks. Phil. I appreciate that, buddy. I mean, that is my goal is to either myself 
fall asleep or get the entire crowd to fall asleep. That one or the other. If I can make that happen, then I can no. just uh, drop the mic and I'm done. I know what you mean, though. And and I would, you know, like when I was watching guys like Todd Barry or uh, Dave Chappelle, kind of the comfort that they have on stage when I was coming up in, in the 90s, you know, that was kind of what I aspired to. When, when you've performed in front of, you know, 12,000, 15,000 uh, on several occasions, like, you know, you just kind of develop that, that muscle, you know? So, um, the great thing about comedy is you keep getting better. You know, it's, it's not like you peak in, in your twenties, your thirties, your forties, you just, you kind of keep, you have more to say. I mean, I watched, uh, some of, uh, Colin Quinn's special just last night, you know, and here's a guy who I've been watching for decades and, you know, he's, he's still at the top of his game. So that's what I like about standup is like, you just kind of keep getting better. You keep, Flying your trade. Please go out and check out tedalexandro.com, the show Teacher's Lounge. Ted, thank you so much for the time. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, Phil. You've been listening to the 5-Minute Talk Show. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and keep listening at 5minutetalkshow.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.